June 4th, 1991. It's the day I graduated high school. That was 30 years ago. Um, this past weekend was our 30th re... Well, it was this weekend. Gosh, it wasn't the past. It was this weekend. It was our 30th reunion um, for the graduating class of Highlands. And part of that celebration was we were supposed to be at the high school for the homecoming game on Friday. Now, if you don't know the church, we were there. We were giving out free food. We were giving out hot dogs, popcorn, uh, we, and drinks. We had a great time. We will be doing it again on the 15th. So if you're interested in participating in that, I encourage you to see me or Don or, or Kathy because we'd love to have you be with us as we do that. We had a great time. We got to uh, see a lot of people. We gave out a lot of food. People really like popcorn. Um, but as, as that was winding down, I decided to go over to where my graduating class was tailgating before the game. And I walked over there, I'm looking around, and I'm trying to find the people I went to school with, and all I saw was a bunch of old people. <laughs> and then I finally realized <laughs> I'm one of those old people. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. If you want to be involved with that, um, the next their Highlands actually the next home game is the 15th. It's the final home game of their season. So if you do want to be involved with that, come uh, talk to us. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, but today's October 3rd, right? Yes. Okay, good, because then this whole thing won't make sense. Um, on this date, the third day of October, there has been many important things that have happened in history. On, in 1789, which, well, there might be a few of you who've been alive then, um, George Washington, George Washington proclaimed the first National Thanksgiving Day to be set for November 26th. And then in 1863, Abraham Lincoln on October 3rd designated the last Thursday of, as November um, as Thanksgiving Day. Um, this is probably important for Angie, but in 1872, Bloomingdale's opened in New York City. Um, not a great thing, but it did happen on October 3rd in 1913. The U.S. federal income tax was signed into law by Woodrow Wilson at 1%. I wish it was still 1%, but it's not. Um, in 1922, the first fax was sent over public telephone lines in Washington, D.C. And I had to struggle a little bit to find something kind of local, but in 1940, 1940, on this date, the Cincinnati Reds actually won a game um, they won the second game of the Baseball World Series against the Detroit Tigers and would eventually win that World Series in 1940. So, yay! Um, in 1952, the first video recording on magnetic tape happened in Los Angeles. In 1955, the Mickey Mouse Club premiered. Some of you probably remember that. In 1960, on this date, Andy Griffith premiered. Um, and we'll actually run until 1968. In, in 1974, the Watergate criminal trials began. And in 1990, I, I even remember this. In 1990, the reunification of East and West Germany took place when at midnight, uh, the West German flag was, was raised over the Brandenburg Gate. So today... As we wind down in our penultimate message in the book of Haggai, uh, there are some timestamps that give us 
the setting for, for Haggai's sermons. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, it's, we're told, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month. In chapter 2, verse 1, in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month. In, in, in chapter 2, verse 10, we're told, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. And that last date, we can actually correspond to our calendar, and it actually took place December 18th, 520 B.C. I don't think any of you were alive then. Or were you? <laughs> it had been exactly three months. It had been three months since they had started rebuilding the temple. It had been two months and three days since Haggai's last sermon. And, and exactly five years from that date, five years from the date of this sermon, the temple was going to be dedicated. Now, if you remember last week, we learned two important truths. There were two important truths. The first it was holiness, that holiness is not contagious, that you can't catch being holy from someone. You can't simply come to church and all of a sudden you're holy. You have to deliberately seek out holiness. It has to be cultivated in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You aren't going to be saved. You are not going to be, uh, become holy by association. But on top of that, we also learned that while holiness isn't contagious, we learned that sin was. We learned that sin is contagious. Sin, it's, it's like a virus. Its only purpose is to reproduce. Its only purpose is to multiply and, and make more. It's, it's kind of like spaghetti sauce. If you go out to eat or you eat at home, it stains everything that it touches. And that's because sin, sin's always going to take you farther than you want to go. Sin is going to keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin is going to cost you more than you'll ever want to pay. Throughout the book of Haggai, we, we find a people who have been returning from exile in Babylon. God's people had been given the task of rebuilding the temple. They, they were eager when they started. They laid the foundation. They were doing everything as well as they could. But because there was opposition, because there were people standing in their way, because they had their own selfish priorities in life, they just stopped. They stopped working for 16 years. So Haggai was called by God to come onto the scene and mobilize the people to get back on the job. So after they finally put God back at the center of their lives, they went to work and they started doing what God had called them to do. And that's how chapter one ended. A couple of weeks ago, we learned that what we believe about the future that what we believe about what God's going to do in the future will inevitably, it has to affect how we live here and now. And, and, and the people, they learned that when God, when he gave them this incredible glimpse into the future, this glorious future waiting for them, as long as they were obedient. And now, and now it's been three months. 
It's been three months since they started rebuilding the temple. And, and, and frankly, the people, they're wondering, what's going on? Uh, God, where is God's blessing? What's happened? We started, we started doing what God called us to do. We're trying to be obedient. Why are things not changing? They were asking questions like we do. They were asking themselves, is it really worth following God? Why am I struggling so much? Why are things so hard when I'm trying to do what's right? Today, as we go to our text, it's really the second part of Haggai's sermon, which started in verses 10 through 14. And for those of us who, who have hung in here uh, through this series, through the book of Haggai, well, you might be one of the few people who actually know where it is in the Bible. You might be one of those people that know what it's about. And someday, someday in heaven, you may be able to walk up to the prophet Haggai and say, hey, I know who you are. I've actually read your book, and I know... I've heard way too many sermons preached from it. So what I want to do is pick up in verse 10, in verse 15, I'm sorry, in verse 15 of the second chapter. And before we do that, would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have this opportunity to gather together as your people, that we can spend time in worship um, and giving and, and just celebrating what you've done for us in our lives. Lord, I, I pray that as we go to your word, as, as we learn more from the prophet Haggai, that we learn that there are important things that you do, that there are things that you've tasked us with, that there are things that you want to change in our lives in, the, in, in this church and in the world. And they're only going to happen when we're obedient to you. So, Lord, as, as we go to your word, I just, I just ask this morning for our hearts, our minds, our souls to be open for what your word teaches. That, that we're ready to hear you. That we're ready to listen and ultimately be obedient to what your word teaches. Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for what he's done for all of us. And I just pray this in his name. Amen. So Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 15, uh, God speaking through the prophet Haggai says, Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to a, the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider. Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine the fig tree, fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But, I love this, but from this day on, I will bless you. But from on this day on, I will bless you. 
Now, our, our outline for today, it, it's, it's really very simple. Um, it's easy to remember. There's just three words that we need to reflect, we need to return, and receive. And as we walk through this passage, these three words, these three words will become evident, and we'll see that the order of how those take place, that it's, that it's important for us. Most of us, we're not going to return to the Lord until we start reflecting. And we can't receive His blessings from Him until we return and reflect. So the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to do is reflect. We need to reflect. Haggai, well, he's picking up on a theme that, that he's been hammering home in the first chapter once again as we're told to consider, as we're told to give careful thought. Uh, and that's... I mean, really, that's the major message of the book of Haggai. It happens five times in two chapters, in, in verse 5 and verse 7 in the first chapter, and in verse 15 and twice in verse 18 in the second chapter. Literally, when he says consider, he's saying bring your mind to bear upon your ways. And if we were going to use, I guess, more popular language for what he's talking about, he's saying why don't you start thinking about why things stink in your life? Why, why have your actions led you to the point you are today? Eugene Patterson would translate that, 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 this, this word this way. He would say, take a good hard look. Take a good hard look at your life and think it over. So God says, now, then consider... Consider, take a hard, good look at this. From this day forward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. He's saying, I want you to carefully consider. I want you to think about this. How life was working out without the Lord being the center of it. How's it going for you? How has life been since you put God on the sidelines of your life? I mean, for almost two decades, they only focused on themselves. And of course, things, well, they fell apart. He says, how'd that go? How did that fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to a wine vat to draw 50, there were but 20. And what he's saying is your grain harvest, it's down 50%, and your grape harvest, it's down 60 Things aren't going well, are they? And God was disciplining them. He was disciplining his people because, well, they were chasing after the wrong things, weren't they? And what, and what is said after that helps us see that God that he's behind what's going on. In verse 17, he says, I struck you. I struck you in all the products of your toil, everything that you were working after with blight and with mildew and with hail. And that blight, it would have came from the east winds that came out of the desert. The mildew would have came from the moist air from the Mediterranean, and hail would come down and crush what was left and then in verse 18, the people are told to consider, to give 
careful thought twice. It says, consider, consider from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider. See, God was calling them. He was calling them not to focus on the time that they had stopped working, not the day they stopped, not the day that they gave up, but not the day that they walked away from what they were supposed to do. He says, I want you to remember the day. I want you to think back and consider the day that you got back to work. And that is such an incredible word for us today, isn't it? Instead of staying locked into the pain of the past and being suffocated by shame, we need to remember and think about how far, how far we've come. We need to be thinking about the things that we've done right, the things that we're doing well, instead of the things that we've messed up in the past. And that's because we can't change yesterday. We can't change last year. We can't change anything that's happened. But we can change today. And we can change tomorrow. We're called to give careful thought about ourselves, but we should also carefully think carefully about things in our society because society, look around us, it's all about self, isn't it? It's all about me. It's all about what I can have. Society, it encourages these sinful lifestyles. It encourages us to distance ourselves from God, find your satisfaction, to find your joy in everything else besides Him, doesn't it? But the only way that we'll ever find satisfaction, the only time that we'll find happiness and, and, and purpose in our lives is to put God at the center of it to do things the way that he says that they need to be done. Solomon, Solomon knew that truth and he discovered it um, when he wrote down everything that's in the book of Ecclesiastes, which I'm not going to go to today, but sit down and read it sometime. We need to reflect. But once we've reflected, we need to return. We need to return. The people would have asked, why is all this happening? Why is everything falling apart? Why is things not going the way that we came back here? God should be blessing us. Is it because God just arbitrarily likes to punish people? Was God just saying, well, you know, I just felt like making your life miserable today. You look like you were having too much fun. You were just enjoying life too much. There's not really any reason for it. I just, I just get a kick out of it. And that's not what was happening. God's purpose in our problems, His purpose is ultimately redemptive. He was trying to get their attention so that they would reflect on what would have been happening and ultimately they would return to Him. And we see that in the last part of verse 17. He says, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Don't we do that? Things are going wrong. 
And we don't turn back to him. We don't say, well, you know what? Maybe I need God back in this equation. Maybe I need to get back in church. Maybe I need to start spending more time being more involved to start giving. And we just think that, well, I'll just walk away. And that's what the people had been doing. But it's interesting. The people, they've been busy. They had got back to work. They were building their temple. But ultimately, their hearts... Their hearts were far away, weren't they? They had actually started doing what God wanted them to do. They were doing what God wanted, but their hearts, their hearts, they weren't in it. But that's the truth, isn't it? The issue is always the heart. Psalm 51 verse 17 tells us what God is after. It says, Paul, uh, David writes in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. But the truth is, so many of us, we're so stubborn, aren't we? We're all so stubborn. We get so set in our ways. We think we're right. We think everybody else is wrong. And God may be trying to get our attention. He might be trying to get our attention through afflictions, and we refuse to come back to him. So today I want you to just reflect right now and see if some of these scriptures might shake some things loose in your soul so that you'll return if you've drifted away. Isaiah 9.13 says, The people did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 3 says, O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You have struck them down, but they felt no anguish. You have consumed them, but they have refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Amos chapter 4, verse 9. I struck you with blight and mildew. Your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locust devoured. Yet, you did not return to me, declares the Lord. And we should never be like King Ahaz, who went south spiritually when tough times came. Second Chronicles 28, verse 22. In the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord, this same King Ahaz. What about you today? Do you become more faithful or do you become more faithless when you go through trouble? We can actually see God's passionate plea to his people if we turn over to the book of Zechariah. And Zechariah, the prophet, he ministered during the same time as Haggai. They were actually like tag teaming the people. Um, in preaching, and in the first verse of the first chapter, uh, we see that his message came in the eighth month of the second year of Darius. It means it was preached about a month, just a month before Haggai's final sermon. And in verse 3, what we see is in Zechariah 1.3, Therefore say to them, okay, tell them now. Thus declares the Lord, this is what God is saying to you. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. 
and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Are you ready this morning? Are you going to reflect? And are you going to return by repenting? The people, after reflecting and returning, God promises that they will receive. But it won't always be on our table. The next, the final thing is they receive. And we see it in verse 19. Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. There, there wasn't much seed in the barn. There wasn't much happening because, well, they planted it in the ground. I mean, that's what you do with seed, isn't it? They were hoping and praying for a harvest that would be bountiful. And those four crops, um, it was essential to their economy, and it involved their food, their fig tree, their drink, the vine, the fuel, the olive tree, and dye, the pomegranate. And I love this. But from this day on, I will bless you. But from this day on, I will bless you. And, and this last part, it, it is so important, and I, I really want you to think about how amazing this expression is. At first, there's a point in time in it. He says, from this day on, today, this is going to happen, not tomorrow or a week from now, from this day on. And there's a person involved. He says, I. It's saying that God himself is going to do this. And there's a promise. He says, I will. And it refers to the certainty that God is going to do this. I will. And then we see his purpose. He says his purpose, God's purpose is to bless. And it's the first use of the word bless in the book. But one of the biggest things there is how personal this is. Who is, gonna, who is God going to bless? He says, I'm going to bless you. But from this day on, I will bless you. God loves you. God, he cares about you. And he wants to personally bless you. And I, I want to quickly go through some takeaways just from that verse. And the first one is, we are blessed when we obey. We are blessed when we obey, but we don't always see it right away. We're not always going to, it's not just going to happen. We do something and then it's going to happen. Um, after waiting 16 years, think of this, 16 years, they finally started rebuilding the temple. But they still had a long way to go. The fields, they were still barren because they'd been disobedient. It's the month of December. They're not going to see any harvest until May or June. It takes time. And I, and I, and I can't help but think that some of the people, they were wondering, is it worth the effort? Should we bother doing this? Uh, but how many of us look at life that way? We, we start feeling like that we're so far away from where we should be and that it's easier for us to say, well, what's, what's the use? Why should I try? Why should I bother? 
things are never going to be different. They won't be different for me. I mean, we're so used to finding instant gratification in things. Think of it, Amazon actually offers same-day delivery. The, the days where we would have to get a catalog in the mail, fill out the order form, write a check, mail it in, and wait six to eight weeks to get something, they are gone. I mean, we have high-speed internet today. There is an entire generation that will never know the frustration of dial-up. We don't like to wait, do we? For some reason, if we can't have it right now, today, it's not worth waiting for. And the sad thing is that there are some preachers that teach that once you know Jesus, that you're not ever going to have any worries again. That, that you're going to be blessed financially, that you're going to be blessed physically, that your health is going to be wonderful. That you're going to be able to live your best life now. And Jesus never said that. Jesus told us that in this world where we live now, that we're going to have trouble. That things aren't going to be easy. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. See, we're not going to find satisfaction. We're not going to find ultimate happiness and joy in the things of this world. And that's because we have something so much better waiting for us. The next thing. We need to keep making the right choices. We need to keep making the right choices. Just know that if you are in a mess today, you didn't get there where you are overnight, did you? You got where you are by taking a thousand steps in the wrong direction over a long period of time. So don't be surprised if it takes quite a few steps to get your life back in order again. Ultimately, what we need to work at is for a long obedience in the right direction. We need to keep making the right choices. Next thing is we need to understand that consequences will still come. Consequences will still come. Just because you've returned to God, just because you've turned back, doesn't mean that He's going to take away all the consequences um, of your sins. Now, you can be forgiven but mistakes and, and consequences, they can mess with us for years or even our whole lives. The consequences are still going to come. Uh, turning to God doesn't immediately undo the results of our own personal rebellion. And I know that some of you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Next one is the harvest will come eventually. The harvest will come eventually. Gardeners, farmers, they understand this principle. You don't plant today and then expect that you're going to harvest it the next, do you? Historically, it took the people more than four years to finish rebuilding the temple. 
And, and there's no doubt that during that time, during that period of time, they faced opposition, they faced discouragement, they faced things that were trying to keep them from accomplishing their task. But by starting to rebuild, they were planting fresh seed in the ground. Understand that things will often look bleak before God brings blessings. And God, He loves to do much, to do big, big, incredible things with just our little. Uh, seed is meant to be sown. Plant it in your kids. Uh, live out your faith. Talk about Jesus all the time. Share the gospels with your neighbors, your friends, with your family. And we see that harvest principle. It's spelled out clearly in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 7 and 8. It says, do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't, don't let anyone tell you any differently than this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, what you're putting out there is what you're going to get back in return. If you're not planting the seeds of the gospel, if you're not sharing your faith with people, what are you going to get back? Nothing. But if you're telling people about the love of Christ, if you're telling people about the amazing things that he's done, if you're saying, look what he's done in my life, think of what he could do in yours, think about the future more than just today. That's, that's sowing the right seeds. I want to share just two additional insights about the topic of blessing. Um, if you want to be blessed, then you need to honor God with your giving. And I, I don't like talking about giving. It's one of those things that makes me feel uncomfortable. But I'm serious about this. God lays out the challenge in Malachi chapter 3. He actually even asks us to test him by giving at least 10% and see what happens. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is a need, no more need. We need to honor God with our giving. And the second, if you are a born-again believer, you've already been blessed. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior and know that, 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 that your sins have been forgiven, you have already been blessed. Because once you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says that you really don't have to beg God to bless you because He already has. Listen to what it says. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because if we know Christ is our Savior, there is no bigger blessing, there is no bigger thing that we could have in our life than having Christ be a part of that. 
I guess my guess this morning is that most of us, we would like a makeover, a do-over, maybe even a fresh start. And each day, each day that we're alive, we have that opportunity. But I think we have to mark the moment. We have to say, today is the day. This is the day I am going to obey. Today is the day that, that my life, that my life changes. So let me ask you, have you reflected on your life? Are, are you ready to make this day the day that you turn to Christ for forgiveness? Will you choose, will you make the choice right now to believe, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you are ready to do that, you could mark this day, October 3rd, 2021, as your spiritual anniversary. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, as the praise team comes, today is the day. God says, but from this day forward, from this day forward, I will bless you. He's telling us that once we've submitted to him, once we've turned back to where we need to be, once we're ready to, to be focused on his priorities, Things are going to change. Now, we might not see it right away. We, we can keep planting those seeds. We can keep being His church. And we might not see things change tomorrow or next week or even next year. But we can trust and we can have full faith that things will because He is faithful. And we, when we are surrendered to Him, when we are faithful to His purpose, when we're obedient to His commands, that's all it takes. Those seeds we plant, we don't know when they'll take, when they'll germinate, when they'll come and bear fruit, but they will. Because we have a faithful God. Today is the day. Today is the day that we can say, Lord, I want to be part of your purpose. I want to be part of your plan. I want to be somebody who makes a difference. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I am tired of just being, well, I'm here. And that's hard. It's hard. But he didn't say it'd be easy. But we'll be blessed by being faithful. And he will take care of us. And ultimately, we know that we have a place in somewhere better. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to make that life-changing decision. To know that he came, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died on a cross, that he was buried, and on that third day, raised back to life. And that by putting your faith in him and trusting him, for the forgiveness of your sins, that you can have a future, that you can have a hope, that you can have a home in eternity. And today, if you do know Christ, 
make today, October 3rd, 2021, be the day that you say, Lord, I've finally surrendered to you, and I am ready to do what you've called me to do, and I am going to be faithful, and I'm going to be surrendered, and I am going to let you use me so that your kingdom grows, so that people's lives are changed, and ultimately you are glorified because that's why we're here. I'm going to pray and I encourage you, if you need to come, if you need to just spend time here this morning and, and just talk to him, do that. Don't leave here without knowing that today is a day that everything can change, that the future has hope, and that he has a purpose for your life. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that while we can't do anything about yesterday or last year, that we can do something about right now and tomorrow and the next day and every day forward. That we can be part of your purpose in this world. That we can be part of your plan to share the gospel. That we can be who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning, maybe those who are watching online, and I ask that, Lord, that you touch our hearts, that you touch our souls, that you touch, that you touch us and change us. And if we're stubborn, if we're hard-hearted, that we change, that we accept your will for our lives, that we accept your purpose, and that we live faithfully for you. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us. Thank you what you have planned and what you have in store for us as your people. Because, but from this day on, you will bless us and you will move us forward and you will help us be your people, that you'll help us be faithful and obedient, sharing the gospel with this lost world Lord, thank you for your son, and it's in his name I pray.